Tom, are you okay? I lost her. Her? She was going to be this epic, trilogy-worthy character. I was going to be the hottest writer in Hollywood. But I can't get past Act One! You need some writer's group therapy. Hello and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers. Are you ready for your session? The doctors are in. And if you like what you hear, make sure you follow us, subscribe. You can find us online at writersgrouptherapy.com and on Spotify. Woot woot. Yeah, we, uh, we're we doing great there. Hi, everybody on Spotify. Thank, Thank you, you for listening. Thank I got you. An email got an email from Spotify uh, with some stats. We've only been on there for a few months and I think there's like over 500 listeners over on spotify so, so we're thank so excited. you for spotting us awesome. on spotify yeah. and uh, you can find us on twitter and instagram at wg therapy individually tom underscore loveman on twitter tom loveman on instagram and i am at moon lily music on instagram and at roshni lumino on twitter well happy we are holidays. happy holidays happy hanukkah yeah. happy christmas happy kwanzaa happy whatever happy the end of the decade have a have a happy end of the decade, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes, we're fast approaching the end of 2019. And it's kind of coming to a close with a bang. I, yeah. There's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff happening. <laughs> yeah. Have you been to many parties yet? You know, okay, what's funny to me is, uh, so this time of year is the best time to network because everybody has holiday parties. Actually, you know what? Mm-hmm. I will say yes. I just signed with a new agency and they had an open house today. And so that was nice to uh, meet. I already ah. met the lady who signed me, but then I was able to meet the head agent and just kind of, you know, chit chat with some other actors and stuff. Tell them how like. awesome you are. <laughs> well, I just, like, I literally just signed with them like a week and a half ago. So we're just gearing up at this point. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So how about, how about you? I had a Christmas party and it was fun because I got to meet the people in my company. I, I've been working at a, at, an, at a digital distribution company and I've been there almost four months and there's about 150 people that work there and I've met like 10 of them. Wow. So the party was a nice way to actually meet my coworkers who I haven't talked to yet. Um, I passed them in the halls and stuff, but now I actually know a few, of the, a few more people's names, and that's cool. And uh, it's neat because it's kind of a company that's in the industry, and everybody there is um, has you know everyone has a side hustle. So you, you you learn that people are oh I'm a music person, I'm a writer, I'm a, you know I uh, I do animation. That was kind of fun. So learning about my coworkers uh, and and meeting people. That's actually really cool. That's really nice. Like when you realize you guys all have a common thing, you know, like mm-hmm. now if you want to make a film or something, you just have to talk to your coworkers. Sure. I could probably put together a crew just from the people in that room. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Tis the season. This is the best time of year to network, I think, in any discipline, honestly, because the holiday parties, open houses, just general meetups, end of the year stuff. Although I feel like this year in Hollywood, this time of year, I usually go to a lot of parties. It's not as many this year. I don't know if I'm just like, Mm. my ears not to the ground in the right places. Or I think I do know there's an annual party that I would go to every year um, that you would come with to with me, actually, the Greenhouse Gala. They're not hosting it this year. Oh, really? Yeah, mm. they scaled back. So, that one was fun, yeah. I know, I love that one. That was always a, a highlight of my year. So I think some of the parties have kind of scaled back a little bit this year. So and Last year, they, they started scaling back last year, I remember, because of the Writers uh, Guild stuff, um, the agencies. 
mm-hmm. um, stopped having the holiday parties because it would be really awkward to be in the room with the writers and the agents and you're fighting. And <laughs> so, so I think last year, a couple of the agencies in, in lieu of having big parties, they made donations to charities. Which oh, nice. yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's part of it because that fight is still kind of happening. Very so big, yeah. They're probably like, yeah, let's not do that right now. It's awkward. It's on its way to the Supreme Court at this point, I think, for one aspect of it. So, my goodness, that's, yeah, that's going on for quite some time. But happier thoughts. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And we, you and I actually met at a holiday party. So, we did. Yay, we yay did. Holidays. Yes. So, so, you never know. Go, go out there, network, meet people, eat some food. It's great. <laughs> yeah, you'll make you'll make uh, lots of cool movies together and other fun stuff and write things and yay. <laughs> so the other thing that's happening in Hollywood right now is uh, the Pay Up Hollywood movement, mm, which some, um, I, some assistants are getting a, a early Christmas present. I read. Yeah, you know it's funny because assistant jobs, whether it's being a writer's assistant or even just like assisting as like an executive assistant or something, anything in the industry, you know, any sort of assistant job is usually a way of getting your foot in the door and meeting the the power players and and putting, you know, your face in front of them so they're like yeah. we want to bump that person up, but they don't make a lot of money. No, but the cost of living in LA has gone just up so much that you know, there hasn't been the increase in what they do get paid. So it's getting harder and harder to be an assistant and, you know, focus on that without having to have one or two side gigs. Which you really can't. If you're an assistant, like that is your full-time job. You can't really also work somewhere else unless you, I mean, maybe a weekend job, but honestly, like you'd probably kill yourself. Cause I feel like, especially during pilot season, yeah. depending on what kind of assisting job you have, you just don't have extra time. No, I mean, uh, right now I'm working a 40 hour a week job and doing my freelance and trying to write, you know, it, it's a lot. It's not, you, you don't have the energy or the time really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there are some changes. I know, uh, you just saw that article. You said, uh, Verve, is that an agency? Verb, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a, a, a literary agency and a talent agency. Yep. So they are leading the charge and upping the pay, which is good. Yeah, yeah, for even like mailroom assistants. So mm-hmm. everybody's getting a bump, which is really nice. You know, this is it's it's kind of related. It's kind of funny. So over Thanksgiving, um, our microwave and our stove broke, and so we were out without. Did like, they like have a suicide pact or something? Well, you know, okay, the microwave already had been kind of sparking, and then I, I should send. I'll send you the, the microwave. That's a good we'll name for a the, microwave. We'll put the photo of what happened of to my stove on the show notes because it's hilarious i was pressing the panel and the panel the electric panel for the um timer and stuff fell in i don't know oh, what it like did. it like went you pushed the button and it kept going yeah into the, into the stove okay yeah that's so i didn't have a stove or a microwave so we we waited for like a few days and then somebody came in and gave us a, installed a whole new one really nice guy it was funny though we were chit-chatting and he made a comment about how um because he, I guess he knew I was an actor or something. He's like, oh, you're an actor. And I'm like, yeah, and we were chit-chatting. And he goes, wow, I'm impressed that you don't live with five other people. Because he mentioned he goes to other houses to oh, yeah. and he sees, you know, six Bunk people beds everywhere in, and, in yeah. a house because of how low we get paid. So, yeah. I looked in an apartment once where the living room was the room that was being rented. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, it's. 
Yeah, and I know people who live like four people in a two bedroom or ten people in a house. You know, crazy stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm, but that's I guess you know what it's come to. So all your other agencies, come on, get on board, pay your assistants more. Help us live the Hollywood dream yes, so we can at least and pay rent. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of dreams, kind of, I don't know. <laughs> Interestingly enough, because uh, I think a lot of YouTube creators are feeling the pinch now. It has to happen by the end of the year. They've got the kind COPPA, of a scary new year coming. Yeah, yeah the COPPA, it's not really a scandal, but like the, the whatever is happening. So COPPA stands for Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. And uh, as of January 1st, a lot of YouTube creators, myself included, were all going to be under the gun over something that seems quite arbitrary and really nothing has been resolved. So I know you haven't really followed it, right? Too much? Um, yeah, I've, I've heard about it and uh, it was in the news a while ago, but it's finally being like applied or enacted, but the rules aren't exactly straightforward. So it's leaving everybody kind of confused and they don't know what's going to happen. So. so let's explain what's happening here. So um, a couple years ago, so... From what I've pieced together, all right, guys, I'm not a legal, this is not legal advice or whatever. If you're really interested, go research it a little bit more. But apparently, uh, YouTube is supposed to be aged as 13 and up. And when you sign in for an account, you agree that you are 13 years or older. And apparently, they weren't following that. And they got hit with a fine a few years ago because children under 13 were watching. And part of it, too, had to do with data. I believe they were collecting data on the children yeah. and selling it or doing something with the data. So that is why they got fined. And this COPPA thing had been kind of simmering under the surface and it's now coming to a head where they aren't going to enforce it. But what's causing creators to freak out is you as a creator have to declare your channel or your individual videos or both to be either child friendly or not child friendly. And YouTube is staying out of it. They're like, you know, you you decide. If you decide wrong, we'll hit you with a $42,000 fine per video. But some of the guidelines are very arbitrary. Like, you know, do you, do you use bright colors in your video? Is it about games? Is it about a certain type of food or something like that, you know, that would appeal to children? And so especially for people who kind of do both. I'm, I know I have a, a gaming channel. I'm like... I don't think it's child friendly. I mean, children can watch it. I'm not swearing. There's no sex. There's no violence. But it wasn't intended for children. And the interesting thing is, if you choose wrong, you will get fined. And it's so vague that nobody really knows how to define their videos. Some creators are just opting out of YouTube altogether. They're like, forget it. I'm closing the channel down because they've got it's kind of a chilling effect. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of videos. And they're like, I, I can't decide, you know, um, unlike and this is just right now affecting YouTube and Google, not all the other streaming platforms. Well, YouTube, I mean, Google, I mean, yes, I know Google's the parent company, but Google's not, Yeah, there's no Google streaming, whatever. Yeah. It's just YouTube. And interestingly enough, I mean, obviously if we were writing for like, you know, cable or, uh, you know, NBC or ABC HBO or something like that, or, you yeah. know what you can get away with. You know, you can swear, you know, you can show nudity. You can, you know, you can't depending on the channel, but YouTube is probably the only, uh, creative outlet that isn't really regulated. 
and they're, they've only just figured out how to monetize it in recent years. And, um, the COPPA thing also affects uh, creators as well, because depending on how you declare your your videos, they'll take away some of the monetization. They will take away the comments. Um, I, I know already people were complaining because some of their subscribers were disappearing. So that was already happening. So it's definitely going to change the landscape of the channel. And because YouTube is, you know, used partly as an entertainment, as in scripted, you know, kind of programming, that'll change that too. Yeah, I don't think it'll affect anything behind like a paywall, like YouTube Red or, um, you know, like I said, HBO, anything you pay for, you know, for the longest time, the FTC is kind of, they were always in charge of regulating the airwaves. That's why they were, they were created because that was mm -hmm. a public space and it was limited. The spectrum, you know, as they called it was limited. You can only fit so many TV stations, so many radio stations in certain bandwidths. So it was regulated by the government. Then cable came along and said, yo, you can't regulate us because we're not on the airwaves. So that kind of became the dividing line between what you could and couldn't regulate as far as content went. Um, now it seems like those lines are blurring because, you know, even the broadcast stuff is streaming now, you know, and they're all launching their own streaming services. I happen to have uh uh, DC Universe, the DC's streaming, uh, you know, movies and TV shows. And there's a new show called Titans, which is, you know, kind of an adult version of the Teen Titans. And they swear a lot on it. And I'm like, whoa, how did they get away with that? Mm -hmm. But it's it's a pay service. So, you know, you're you're agreeing to terms of use when you sign up for something like that, that I suppose covers them. Now, yeah. with YouTube, YouTube, you uh, you were telling me YouTube says when you sign up as a as a as a, with a channel or as a broadcaster that they would, they don't take any responsibility for what you say on your channel. Right. I don't believe so. I mean, cause I've watched, I've, I watched a lot of YouTube. It's probably actually my main source of entertainment to be honest over like even watching a broadcast or Netflix or something like that. And I will watch like say gaming channels where they'll swear and, and it's not even like, you know, they'll drop an F bomb, you know, something that would totally get censored on broadcast. They'll say it. So, and do you watch a lot of Twitch? Do they do that on Twitch a lot, or? Um, I haven't really done followed too much on. Ooh, that's an interesting point. You know, because I don't watch a lot of Twitch. Um, I wonder if they'll start regulating it. But the interesting thing again with this COPPA thing, it has nothing to do with nudity or language, you know, or violence. Which, as writers, we understand that, right? I can't. I can't swear a lot on an ABC show, but on HBO, sky's the limit, right? So it, it doesn't affect those things. That's not what they're flagging. They're flagging really random things that don't actually fall under, uh, what is it, FCC, right? Normal FCC regulation. FCC or FTC, yeah, both. Yeah. The, the so I think them, that's yeah. what's confusing because honestly, like if you said to me, oh yeah, we need to make sure there's no swearing or whatever on your channel, that makes more sense to me than but it's a gaming channel. And that's actually more of an FCC thing. Actually, the mm -hmm. federal communications um, um, co commission or whatever is, is more content. FTC mm -hmm. is about trade um, and marketing and advertising to children is what, you know, one of their areas of, you know, focus. So I think that's, you know, part of it too. I mean, unless they made YouTube a paid site, which I know they were trying to do a little bit with YouTube Red, which I don't know if it really took off the way they wanted it to. And I don't know if COPPA is affecting YouTube Red. I haven't looked into it because I've only been following it on the general 
YouTube. Yeah. Well, the bottom line is if you have a YouTube channel, find out what you need to know now because it's two weeks away and uh, you don't want to get caught uh, by surprise. Yeah. We'll put a link to, there's a link to the FTC's uh, news about this coming coming of age uh, regulation that you're going to want to check out. And what's interesting too about it is I know a lot of creators are upset and, you know, there's petitions and there's, you know, this and that. I don't think anything's really changed as far as, you know, they're not backing down. The government's not backing down. But I also wonder when it hits and assuming it goes through the way they say it will, will it affect other streaming services or online things, online channels, podcasts. Well, I mean, because yeah, that's a good point. Podcasts aren't necessarily regulated either. Anybody can create them and anybody can listen to them and there's no filter or gatekeeper. It's Mm -hmm. an interesting it's an interesting thing. Yeah. Although I do know with podcasts, you do have to say, you know, this has mature content or it's not intended for, you know, listeners. Under yeah, I, I hear those occasionally. Yeah. yeah. That, but again, that has to do with regulation of swearing or a mm-hmm. little bit of content, you know, sort of thing. That has to do with, with more of that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see because I feel like the, the guidelines on the YouTube COPPA thing are very arbitrary and don't necessarily make sense with what we know to be normally regulated content. And I think that's why everyone's in such an uproar. Yeah. But we don't want to scare you guys away from creating content. Keep creating content. (laughs) Please do. There's always going to be an outlet for whatever it is that you create and you write. Trust us on that. There's always an outlet. If you uh, are interested in creating a narrative podcast, which is very uh, up and coming these days, should you? Is your is your project uh, suited for a narrative podcast? Right now, about forty to fifty percent of Americans uh, listen to podcasts. It's a huge number, actually. It's been growing about twenty five percent, you know, a year. Mm-hmm. So it's a great place to you know share your stories. And Roshni, you are a narrative podcaster, or well, you've been you've been producing one. It'll be coming out this next year in March, you think, I think, right? Oh my gosh, next year. It'll be coming out next decade in 2020. <laughs> yes, in a decade, she'll have it done. So, you know, you're a great uh, you know, example here. You had a story that you, uh, you felt was really well-suited for a narrative podcast, and you wrote it, and you produced it, and now it's coming out in a little while. And uh, what drove you to want to do that, and what makes... What made your story a good narrative podcast story? Ooh, well, let me tell you a little bit about it first. So it's called Expat. It's coming out March 17 of 2020. And that date we picked on purpose because it does involve Irish culture. Um, So it's actually sort of autobiographical. It's about a Filipino-American who falls in love with an Irishman and all the hilarity that ensues with not just men and women interacting, you know, trying to relate, but also cultural and country differences and, and things so like I that. I guess he's coming to dinner in a, a different twist. <laughs> yep. Yep. And um, when I wrote it, it was interesting because I've actually retooled it 
as well to use for fellowship submissions to, so I've written it as a TV pilot as well, but I wrote it as a podcast originally. And the thought behind that, and interestingly enough, if you look at it, so it's six episodes, half an hour each, uh, scripted comedy, you know, there's an over, over the six episodes, there's an arc. I mean, it really could just be a TV show. All you have to do is just tweak a few things. But I picked a podcast format because I could get it out into the public faster and I could get it out cheaper. And we recorded it all over a two-day period. I'm in the middle of editing it right now. In fact, I've got to talk with my um, my director and co-producer, uh, go over uh, episode one through four notes and stuff like that. So we're, we're plowing away. It, it's good. Cool. It's good. Um, but I think the biggest thought about it behind it too, besides the fact that it's faster, it's cheaper. I mean, for years, they've been saying podcasts is kind of where people are discovering content. And I think I've, I've heard that as, as long as like, say four years ago, podcasts are the way to go. And I think now people are just like big name people are just beginning to go, Ooh, podcasts. Cause I've actually heard other established TV writers Either they're doing a podcast, and I mean narrative now. I'm not talking talk show. They are they are either doing a narrative podcast or they want to do a narrative podcast. So if even the big fish are looking at it, you know you're in the right spot. And I think the other reason why they're really good is if you're a writer, think about it. When you're pitching and you, you have to sign off all the forms, right? You're like, okay, yes, I'm signing off the form. You didn't steal my idea, blah, blah, blah. Before they'll even look at your script. You're asking somebody who doesn't know you, assuming that it wasn't, you know, somebody recommended you to this agent or whoever, you're asking them to read 30 pages, 90 pages. That's a lot of time, you know, even if you send them a short film or a clip of, you know, a movie you did, they still have to sit down and spend 15 minutes watching your film or whatever. And they might not even know what got changed in the editing room. But... I can send you a link to my podcast. I don't have to sign any forms. You can listen to that while washing dishes, while driving around town, whatever. So it's a really easy way to get my writing and my acting in front of people with, without jumping through all those hoops. Yeah, and I guess it's kind of a really great way to show off your writing skill because you, it's all dialogue. It's dialogue and sound effects. So you really have to tell the story with one arm tied behind your back because you don't have the visual. Yeah. I mean, I think if you, if you are doing something, I'm trying to think of something that's really visual, like say the movie Gravity, that'd be a horrible podcast. It's extremely visual, right? But if you're doing something that uh, has witty dialogue or you can kind of set the stage, like... Um, what's a really good example? It's an audiobook, but uh, World War Z would be, oh, an, mm-hmm. you know, that is an amazing thing to listen to because of the way it's written. Uh, have you read the book? I did. You read the book. Okay. So yeah, great. Yeah. we'll do a spoiler out here for anybody who's seen the movie warning, but hasn't <laughs> read the book. The, well, the book, book and, is, the, and the movie are totally different. They're completely different. Yeah. So the author wrote World War Z like the zombie apocalypse had already happened. And this is the account of the survivors. Now, when you listen to the audiobook, 
they brought in professional actors and they read it like it's an NPR broadcast, like interviews and stuff like that. It's chilling. It's amazing. It's so well done. And it's like listening to an NPR show and you kind of forget that you're actually listening to a book. So if you can write something like that and have it acted out well, wow, you know, you're in the ballpark right there. Kind of goes back to the old uh, War of the Worlds, the Orson Welles broadcast that sent people screaming and running into the streets, freaking out because they thought Martians had actually landed in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And when you think about it, so, okay, so we did those four short films and Reclamation, the sci-fi piece, obviously took the most uh, time and money because of the special effects. But Like two uh, years and... $25,000. Yeah. So you you were the executive producer. What did we spend, not including marketing, on those four films? Yeah, it was about oh, 30000 for all four of them. Yeah. Okay. So I just did a six-episode uh, narrative podcast. Um, it's about three hours of content. So I think the short films would be what? About like maybe an hour and a half of- 45 minutes. 45 probably. minutes. Okay. Yeah. So 45 minutes of film cost- $30,000. Granted, some of that was special effects and sci-fi stuff. Um, I did a lot of catering. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. But I did, I did the podcast, three hours of content. Now granted, um, a lot of my crew and cast worked on deferred payment, but assuming everyone gets paid to the full amount that I want them to get paid, I probably spent about 5,000 or less. Yeah. Sounds like a good deal. You know, I just did an entire season for 5,000 or less. So, you know, where do you want to spend your money too? If you're trying to get it out there. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, you can make anything as they say for any budget. So it all depends what you're willing to spend and what you're able to spend Mm -hmm. to get it made. Um, You know, obviously you if you can get your friends to work for free, you can get it done cheaper, (laughs) but the I mean, idea is the idea actors. is you can get it done. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking done. we could have some actors work for free, our actors on um on all those films. And oh, that yeah. was, that was not even deferred payment. You no, know. No. So they just loved the the project so much they wanted to be in it. <laughs> but even even with the actors for free, we still spent thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> I fed them very well. You I, did. I, I, Thank I feed you. everyone really well. Yeah, Thank all you. that catering. I fed people too. <laughs> So the pros of doing a narrative podcast, uh, cost, time, you can get it done faster, you can get it done cheaper. You can, you know, it's something people can listen to easier because it's it's something they can listen to while they work out or while they're driving. They don't have to be in front of a TV. They don't have to read, you know, X number of pages. And uh, it really showcases your ability to write, I would say, write really good dialogue and tell a story without having the visual effects. So those are all good pros. Are there any cons? cons. There are cons. Yes. What are the cons? So I would say, um, first of all, if you are doing something that's scripted, you want to have really good voice actors and a really good director. You don't, you don't want to skimp on that. I've actually, because now I'm following all the podcasting world and there are people out there who are like, oh my gosh, I would, you know, why are these so poorly acted? So you definitely want to get good actors. You want to get great sound because it's all going to be sound, right? There's no visuals. Even even on a film, you need good sound, right? But sound is going to be crucial. So you need to spend your money on a good engineer, on good editing, mixing and mastering if need be. So those are where you need to 
um, you really need to pay attention. And if it's a script that's not, um, if, if it's, if it's visual heavy, like if it has a lot of visual jokes, then it doesn't translate. It has to be something that you don't need to rely on the visuals for. That makes good sense. Yeah. I keep trying to get you to do some of yours as a podcast. Well, most of my stuff is horror and sci-fi, so it's a little trickier because they're they're very visual. I'm a very visual writer, I think. Uh, but you know, uh, my latest little comedy bit could be you know just could be just dialogue. You know that that could be a little audio thing if I wanted to. Actually, I just want to film that. Yeah, I, I keep thinking about it, but uh, I still have my films that are already done, so I've already spent the money on those. Yeah, that's trying to, trying to get my my money's worth out of those still. Oh, I will say the other thing too, if you are going to do it, um, know ahead of time what your format is. So for example, you know, we are doing writer's group therapy. We do this, well, we were doing it once a week. Now we're doing it once a month, but we're consistent. And if you're doing a narrative podcast, even if it's a season, just be consistent when you put it out there, you know, be like, okay, the entire season's going out in these three months or something and be consistent with when you upload it and down to the time, because I think it's really easy to lose listeners if you're not consistent with uploading and with content out. Mm -hmm. So cool. Yeah. All right. So now the decade's coming to a close. What, what's been your highlight of the decade and what do you want to accomplish in the next Oh, the next gosh. 10 years. <laughs> well, I'm still trying to get my resolutions from this year c- completed, which was to finish these scripts I started the year before. Oh, geez. Um, I've been so busy this year doing other projects. Um, we worked on the puppet stuff and I, you know, I, I just been, you know, stretching myself too thin. So uh, I'm still trying to um, find a, a point at which I can really focus on writing those, uh, finishing those scripts up. So uh, that's my continuing resolution that's awesome. <laughs> that sounds like a that sounds like a c- c- congressional thing uh, <laughs> pass the continuing resolution to keep the government open that's i'm i have a continuing resolution to, to write my script 2019 <laughs> I, <is> did, <laughs> I did start uh, pr- uh development on my first video game which does have a writing component to it because it's it's a word game so more to come on that next year but i did start it i'm like that was one of my things i wanted to do this year was get get my video one of my game concepts into development which was a lot of fun i got a beta test it and i'm really oh yeah we did a beta testing because that was fun it's an app but i i built a physical prototype i built three of them uh so i could do some play testing with my friends to get the kinks worked out of the game and it really worked great so yeah, so I actually had a, a couple calls with my uh, developer already about you know making sure they understand what we're doing as they get further into the coding process. So. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. How about you? How about what's your uh, end of year and next year looking like? Oh wow! More editing, I suppose. Um, I feel like in the last, even in the last three years, I've really come into my own as a writer and as an actor and as a creator. Like I really feel like I found my creative voice. And I know where I'm going with things, you know, so that's been really good. And it's exciting to produce your own project. I really love that feeling. So uh, obviously next year is going to be releasing Expat and working on a season two. And beyond that, 
I, I mean, I like the podcast thing. So I have a couple other narrative podcast ideas that I'm kicking around. So we'll see. Um, we'll see how well season one does. And then I might do season two of expat concurrently with like a whole new show just because I like being really busy, I guess. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to hearing expat and uh, talking about whatever your next one is. We were uh, because of our writers group, we get to see what she's working on earlier. So we, we get the inside scoop. <laughs> That's so true. So hopefully so true. we'll see that. Then. All right. What, uh, what are you guys working on for the end of the year and next year? Let us know what your uh, writing ambitions are. Send yes. us a note. Yes. And we hope you all have a wonderful holiday season and we will see you guys in 2020. 